One of the biggest questions humanity has ever asked is the question of life in the universe. Are we alone? For all we know, we may be the only life out there in all of space. But life may be common, or at least there may be more instances of it than just us. Will life ever reach the stage of the complex animals of Earth? Will things become complex, differentiated, multicellular, and genetically interesting? Will there be other intelligent, sentient, even spacefaring or technologically advanced civilizations like we are? And how will we find out if they're out there or if we're all alone? Find out on this edition of the Starts With a Bang podcast. One of the things we all have in common is the tremendous cosmic story of how humanity came to be, how we came to exist in the universe. There were a slew of ingredients that were absolutely necessary. Without them, we couldn't have arisen. First, you need atoms, not just the hydrogen and helium that were born in the Big Bang, but the full suite of stable elements making up the periodic table. There are scores and scores of elements that are necessary for life in our human bodies, and all of them, as far as we can tell, are made in exploding supermassive stars, in low-mass stars that are like the sun that blow off their outer layers, and in merging neutron stars. All of these are known to exist, and they've existed from very early on in the universe. The stars were born as early as just maybe one or two hundred million years after the Big Bang. We find that the heavy elements that we need to make up the rocky planets are everywhere we look in the universe. Supernovae will give us up to about element 40 in the periodic table. Merging neutron stars will give us the heaviest elements like lead, mercury, platinum, and gold. And sun-like stars are responsible for the majority of things like carbon and oxygen in the universe. In fact, if we look out in the universe, we can see new solar systems just like our own forming all over the place wherever new stars are born. But that doesn't mean we need to wait until today to form stars, planets, and creatures like us. The chances for life seem to arise everywhere that stars are born. Wherever you have galaxies, wherever you have active star-forming regions, you have a chance for life. In fact, if we want to know when stars like ours, population one stars, as opposed to population two or three, which are much lighter in terms of the heavy elements and the ingredients for life they have, Population 1 stars are found that are much, much older than our own. In fact, Kepler 444, a star system known to have at least five planets around it, 
is one such population one star, and it was formed not four and a half billion years ago like our sun was, but more than 11 billion years ago. Not only are the chances for life everywhere in the universe, but it could have arisen far, far earlier than life did here on Earth. And it's not just some select corner of the universe or something special about our Milky Way. It turns out that wherever we look, these raw ingredients are everywhere. Organic molecules can be found everywhere we look. The building blocks of life are ubiquitous in space. When meteorites like the Murchison meteorite from the 1960s land here on Earth, we can dissect them and look inside and see... Do they have organic molecules? Well, here on Earth, we have 20 different amino acids that are used in life processes. Inside the Murchison meteorite, there are over 80. There are more than 60 unique amino acids not found in life processes here on Earth that are found wherever we look in space. In addition, molecules can be chiral, which means they can be either left-handed or right-handed. Here on Earth, all of our amino acids have the same handedness, but out in the Murchison meteorite and in other places we've looked, amino acids come in both handedness. It's not only possible that life like us would exist, but life that's wildly different would arise elsewhere in the universe. We also see these molecules on the surfaces of worlds. We see methane. We see polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. We see ethyl formate, the molecule that gives raspberries its characteristic smell. And we find these molecules on the surfaces of worlds, in atmospheres, around young Herbig Harrow stars, in planetary nebulae when sun-like stars blow off their outer layers, in the galactic center in interstellar space, and in the spaces between worlds in molecular clouds that have yet to form stars. The raw ingredients for life are everywhere, but there are still steps we don't understand. For example, we have no idea yet how to go from non-life, from these organic building block molecules, to what we would consider a living being. When life does arise, however, assuming it has the capacity to arise more than once in this universe, we can imagine that it may achieve three different levels. The first level is where life gets started, but doesn't last or doesn't thrive, where life exists for a time on a world, but eventually either goes dormant or extinct. We can imagine a second level that's more successful than the first, where life thrives and life sustains itself and lasts perhaps for billions of years. Life like this would have the opportunity to modify its planet, perhaps even the life that exists, the life that continues on, could become complex, differentiated, and macroscopic in nature. And finally, we have the third possibility, a real ultimate level, the kind of things that our science fiction dreams and hopes are made of. Life could become intelligent. 
and intelligent life could become technologically advanced, it could become communicative across interstellar distances, either broadcasting messages or capable of listening and responding to messages that might exist elsewhere in the universe. Or finally, that life may even become spacefaring and may find a way to do what humanity as of yet has not, to traverse the vast interstellar distances separating the vast cosmic worlds. We can imagine these possibilities because what we imagine is that life can or will take the paths we think it took or could have taken here on Earth. There may be other pathways that are possible with different and other and more ingredients, it's completely possible that life could have arisen in a different way and maybe is not even chemical-based. But at a bare minimum, our existence gives us these three possibilities to seek out and look for. If we want to look for that first possibility, we don't have to go any farther than our own solar system. In the solar system alone, worlds like Mars, Venus, Europa, Enceladus, and many more may be home to simple, single-celled, past or present alien life. On Mars, for example, we see methane coming out periodically out of various vents and locations in the ground. It could have a geological origin, or it could have an organic origin. It could be due to life. Mars, we know, had a watery past. Venus has Earth temperature and pressure-like conditions up in its cloud tops. Europa and Enceladus, moons of Jupiter and Saturn respectively, both have hydrothermal vents in a subsurface liquid water ocean. We find life around those vents here on Earth. Could we find life elsewhere in the solar system in similar conditions? It's worth looking. And we are looking. It's possible that this first path, that where life arises but doesn't get past the single-celled organic stage, where it may even be extinct today, this could be where we first find extraterrestrial life in the universe. If life gets more advanced, however, than the single-cell stage, there's a new way we might be able to detect it that's new since the discovery of all the exoplanets we found. These worlds around stars other than our own, from red dwarf stars up to sun-like stars, from Earth-sized planets and smaller to what we call super-Earths or potentially even moons around gas giants, all hold the possibilities for life. The whole reason is that we can image or gain information through our telescope technology about these worlds. If we have an exoplanet transiting in front of a star where it blocks a portion of the star's light, if that world has an atmosphere, the starlight will filter through the atmosphere when a transit occurs. And when it arrives at our eyes, we can look at this world for organic signatures. Does it have molecular oxygen in its atmosphere? Does it have carbon dioxide, methane, liquid water, and a slew of other organic molecules? 
if it has the right ratio of molecules, we can conclude, if it's just right, that there may have been a good chance this world was terraformed by life itself. We can also potentially image the surfaces of these worlds. If we can measure the light coming from one of these planets, even if it shows up on a telescope as just a single pixel, it has the potential to tell us, due to the light changing periodically over time, if this is a planet that rotates on its axis and what its period is, if this is a planet with clouds in its atmosphere, if this is a planet with a mix of oceans and continents, and if the reflectivity of these continents change over time, such as they do on Earth due to plant growth and desertification, we could learn if these alien planets, if these exoplanets have thriving alien ecosystems on them. That's the second possibility. If there's thriving life on another world, we have the opportunity with near future technology to learn all about it. And finally, there's the dream possibility through programs like SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, and METI, where we send messages to extraterrestrial intelligence, we could potentially uncover alien signals. But it's very interesting when you consider that the alien signals we originally envisioned back in the 1960s were radio waves. Humanity is producing fewer and less powerful radio waves today than we were 50 years ago. It's a matter of not just sending a message there or receiving a message here. We need to recognize how an alien would transmit or receive a message. We need to decode whatever messages they send us, and we need to properly encode any messages we send out and do it with enough power that they could receive it. It's even possible that the best way to find intelligent, spacefaring aliens may be to trek across the stars ourselves. The possibility of intelligent aliens and the potential for what it would mean to make contact with them is too great a possibility to ignore. Even though it's the least most likely option, the chance of success makes it a scientific endeavor worth pursuing. These three possibilities for where life gets started but doesn't last or thrive means we could find life in our own solar system, right in our own backyard through direct investigation. The possibility that life thrives and sustains and alters its world means that through exoplanet science and learning more about these distant alien worlds, we could find a smoking gun signal of a world where life on it has modified the planet. And finally, there's another possibility, the most fantastic one, that there are intelligent aliens out there, either waiting for a message for us, sending messages we could receive today, or trekking across the stars. Whatever it is, it's only conjecture at this point, but we can speculate on how rare or common the different levels of life are. Given that there are at least a hundred billion 
Earth-sized planets in our galaxy alone, these possibilities are worth considering, if for nothing else than the sheer number of chances at life that exist. I suspect that worlds like Mars or Venus or Europa or Enceladus that may have simple single-celled alien life, even for just a brief while, is likely extremely common. Even if it's a 1 in 10,000 chance, that means there are likely millions and millions of planets in our own galaxy with life on them. I suspect that alien life that's modified its planet is relatively uncommon. It doesn't make sense that, given all the worlds in the solar system we know of, all the possibilities for life, that only Earth has had life succeed and thrive for so long, it seems unlikely that the majority of worlds where life arises will have it sustain itself. But you never know. I would suspect again that there are even if it's a 1 in 10,000 chance that there are thousands of exoplanets in our galaxy and likely many more that have a thriving ecosystem where life has modified its planet to the point where we could detect it remotely, potentially even from a single pixel. And finally, there's the intelligent aliens possibility. Although this is the stuff of our dreams, and for some, the stuff of our worst fears, I think this is probably the rarest of all. It may even be the case that humanity at present is the only intelligent alien species in the entire Milky Way. Perhaps, after all, it's just us. But the necessity of searching cannot be understated. All three of these possibilities are not only eminently possible, but we're searching for answers to them. And which one will bear fruit first is anyone's guess. As long as we let hope, curiosity, and the scientific spirit of investigation guide us, all we'll ever do is learn more and more about what's really out there and not out there in our universe. The Starts With a Bang podcast is only made possible through the generous donations of our Patreon supporters. I would love to thank everyone donating at the $5 level and above for supporting us. Thanks go to Robert J. Hansen, Samir Kumar, Tim Graham, John Methot, Aaron Weiss, Pavel Zuzelski, Chris Shaw, Thomas Sola, D. Nyer, Pedro Texera, Frederick Y. Martello, Igor Mitrofanov, Mark Armstrong, Paulina, Jose Enrique, Sean Foley, Elver Sena Sosa, Flo, Richard Jousey, DGE, John Kozura, Marcelo Barnaba, Nick Tomlinson, Rafal Wojcik, Brian Terry, Danny, Alexander Marius, Gaijin, Andrew T. Douglas, Chris Hilly, Weller Tractor Salvage, Michael Lewis, Mike, Fletch, Ahmed Lee Kamsi, Amy Thompson, Jeffrey Kidd, Dana Bridges, Kelly Kudrick, Richard Schwartz, Darren Redfern, Mark Bloor, Nick Delroy, Ronan Yechazel, Frank, 
Fraser Kane, Steve Schaber, Naked Bunny with a Whip, Jason Besanseni, Peter Williams, Kevin Barnes, Patrick Dennis, Radek Nesbida, James Nance, Joe McFarland, Amira Sosnick, Sidney Atwood, Harry Plumley, Nathan Hanna, Tomas All, Glenn McDavid, Benjamin Turner, David Taschioni, Philip Radilovic, John Seal, Braxton Thomason, Karen Garrison, and Zarko Opacic. Thanks everyone for tuning in and I'll see you next time for more Starts With a Bang. 